0: This is Keach Rainwater on the podcast Designated Drummer. I'm your designated drummer. And with me today here is our other designated drummer, Donnie Marp Marples. Is that right? Donnie that- Marple. Marple, yeah. sorry. <laughs> I gotta get to know the names better before I do these things. But uh Marple, okay, Donnie Marple. And he plays with Lee Bryce, sir. The one and only Lee Bryce. And uh, we just did a show together recently. Yeah, not too long ago in Florida, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and I got a bone to pick with. You stole my drum tech. <laughs> Ah, <laughs> Brandon I totally did. Brandon left us. He had been with us for years and then he left us to go with you guys and I'm I'm happy for him.
1: I really yeah, am happy for he's him. He's a good guy. Yeah, yeah he's great a guy. good dude. He got with a good camp. That's yeah. for sure. Came came from a good camp. So yeah. it was uh, I think well, he thanks. feels at home with us and I trained him and yeah. then you, you benefit now. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, man, it's good to have you here and uh, you. we're here in the infamous band cave right now. Which is so awesome, if hear, by the way. And you can hear the train back there. There's it's always incredible. like noises and it's kind of a noisy place, but you know, just the atmosphere. most people have to pay for to add sounds like that, we get them for free. Um, <laughs> Anyway, so here we are, and uh, so good of you to join me, yeah. and I uh, just yeah, want to talk a little bit about yeah. how you started. Like, for sure. Um, well, first of all, how old are you? Like when? Like, what year would it have been that you started playing drums? So
1: I'm 34 right now, um, so I still round down to 30. I'm not rounding up to 40 by any means okay. yet, so. yeah. but I started when I was uh, around three years old, um, short, long story short, I grew up playing in church. Um, and going to church, my grandfather was a, a pastor of the Assembly of God. So there was drums. It was a little more Pentecostal, and, and I would sit on that front front row every morning, every Sunday morning, and watch a guy named Rick Jackson play drums. And one time, I guess I got the nerve to go up. I couldn't reach both pedals, but I could reach the kick pedal, hat, and snare. This would have
0: been like after everybody left. After or something. everybody,
1: they were still in. They were still in the building. Everybody was still there, and uh, and just talking after church. And I went up, you know. Wasn't allowed to touch anything, but I did it anyway, and just started playing a, a groove and kind of, you know, I felt I feel like you know I like to give credit, you know, first thing I, I feel like it it happened in church. It kind of came from from you know the man upstairs, in my opinion, and mm-hmm. it, uh, it it was just kind of built in. I never had a lesson. Um, you know I just started playing and it happened in church for me so it was really cool uh, to start that way and then I the drummer let me start sitting in you know every other Sunday maybe every other two Sundays when you could reach the pedals right? when I could reach the <laughs> pedals and um, and he let me play which was really nice of him and um, you know my, my whole family you know my dad played trumpet my my grandfather played trombone my grandmother played the organ uh, my aunts and uncles played clarinets and piano, so it was kind of a family musical family. But no drummers, huh? I'm the only <laughs> drummer to this day, you know, well. unless my daughters pick it up. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm the only drummer in the in the family, and that's and that's that's where it started. I was three years old, and. And could always just play. It's really strange to look at. Maybe when
0: you were little, your dad uh, subliminally mentioned that in your cradle when you were tiny.
1: (laughs) Most likely. Be a drummer. We need a drummer in the family. That could be
0: very possible.
1: (laughs) I could see him doing that. (laughs) That
0: is awesome. So, you know, I have a real similar story. When I first time I ever played drums was in a church. Uh, Some friends, we didn't go to church when I was. when I was a kid, we mm-hmm. just weren't the church going kind, but we had a neighbor that did, and they invited us to church, and he's, I wasn't going to go, but he said, there's drums there. You could probably play them, and I was yeah. like, really? Oh, yeah. So I went there, and I got to sit up there and play a couple of songs, and I didn't like – like you, I already knew how to play a beat, right. but I just didn't know – I'd never done it before. Right. But I was up there playing a beat, and uh, whenever the, uh, the, my friend said, okay, we're all going to go sit down now, and he's going to preach, I didn't leave. I was so – just, uh, I don't know, like, um, intimidated or something. Oh, yeah. I sat there on the drum kit the whole time. <laughs> I was like, oh, So during his whole entire sermon, oh, I sat there goodness. on the drum kit, and everybody's looking at me. Yeah, you know, and I don't think they were even looking at him. I was like, why is that kid still sitting up there? <laughs> right. I wasn't playing or anything. But I was just right. kind of like, oh, like, riveted. Awesome. Yeah, that was cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, that's, what, that's where it started for me. I was I was pretty young. I don't remember not playing drums. You know, there's there's VHS footage of me playing, and, you know, I look back and, and see myself, and I obviously know deep down that this is what I'm supposed to do, I was meant to be, or I wouldn't be able to do some of the things I was able to do, you know, as a 3-, 4-, 5-year-old, so definitely uh, kind of built in, and, and I think I'm, I'm supposed to be where I'm at right now, for of sure, course, so yeah. it's cool. You were yeah. born to drum, born I to love drummers drum, like that, that yep. you know,
0: that when you yep. watch them play, you can just tell by their swagger and the way they hold, yeah. the, the way they hold their their body that yeah. they were born to yeah. play drums.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. so you uh, played through high school and that kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, definitely. So I I, uh, I started actually playing in the fifth grade band when I was in kindergarten. So I was in fifth grade, you know, um, concert band, uh-huh. uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all the way up to fifth grade. And by fifth grade, I was off a board playing Hot Cross Buns, obviously. Um, but then, you know, got to middle school and played in the, you know, played in the, the jazz band. They started incorporating more uh, cooler music more band uh, you know where you need a drum set um, you know playing jazz and in some some stuff like that and then yeah from from, from middle school went to high school and played in the community jazz band uh, community it was more of a college jazz band I started that in in high school which was really cool to kind of get my feet wet with really experienced um was that reading music did they have charts that was reading things? music yeah. yeah which um was never my forte by any means it, but I you know I faked it till I made it and um I learned kind of the hard way because I, I was such a you know I would sit down I played by ear I, obviously that's the if you can do that that's the easy route and I, I was I, I never was a fan of sitting and reading charts. I just yeah. never was cuz I always wanted to make it my own. I always I was like whoever did this, that's already done and did. I didn't want to That's redo their step that on it. Yeah. You want to put your stamp yeah, on it. Yeah, which I always did anyway, but obviously there was a grade involved. I had to listen to, you know, listen to the, the the instructor, the teacher and um you know, I had to kind of follow the rules and but it was good for me. It kept me it kept me um kind of grounded It made me realize, you know, there, it's there's more important things than just being flashy and and playing you know busy and 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 just making every song a drum solo you know i had to learn what it's like to play with real musicians and you know playing in in the community jazz band through high school and then into college um, was really helpful for sure yeah yeah um chuck fields
0: was one of my guests he played with terry clark Mm -hmm. and had has for years um and uh, he was saying that he's, he played jazz for a while, you know, yeah. and he, he told me, because I asked him what was one of the hard-learned lessons that he had uh, gone yeah. through, and he said, well, I was playing this jazz guy. I was young. I was, like, cocky and playing, oh, yeah. just like playing, overplaying, <laughs> and finally, at one point, the guy just got off the saxophone and turned around and said, hey, kid, just keep time, man.
1: Yep. <laughs> I think said, I may have heard that a few times <laughs> in my life as well, no, Yeah. Okay. Just, just keep time. Yeah. You know. Guilty, yeah.
0: Um, so... Uh, in high school, you played. Did you play other than jazz? Did you play like in some yeah, rock so bands I, or I did, like that? so
1: I did. I was in a couple rock bands, um, kind of rock, ska, punk type. That was kind of when, when the time I was growing up in, in that era. You know, this would have been in the nineties. Yeah, right? for sure. Nineties. Yeah. So, I mean, I was listening to bands like Blink One Eighty Two. It's um, just, just some, you know, more punk rock bands and. Um, obviously we wanted to, whatever was on MTV at the time, that's who you wanted to be. And, yeah. um, so we, we did some, some fun stuff. It wasn't anything special. It was just kids in a garage. playing. Yeah, I've seen jamming. you play, you play pretty powerful. Was that always right. that case?
0: Did you sort of um, grow into that? Like I think I, I think I, 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 think
1: I, I think I grew into that. Um, you know, not having a lot of, you know, I halfway through my life, I guess you would say internet came about. And so I learned a lot from, you know, watching YouTube and, and stuff, but before then I just kind of, you know, I was always told to kind of play soft, play light. You know, I have neighbors that need to sleep, that have babies, whatever. Um, uh, luckily I had patient parents, but you know, I, I I always kind of just played naturally, I would say more soft to medium. And then, but I think that had a lot to do with the music I was playing. You yeah. And know, once you the, get um, on stage and you're in that environment, oh, then yeah. all of a sudden, oh, yeah. anything goes, yeah. right? Exactly, obviously um, the audience is fuel and you tend to you tend to play a little bit more powerful with more passion when you're doing it for, you know, somebody that's never seen you. You want to you wanna uh, win them over and, and make sure that they remember you, you know. Yeah. So I think it's always a yeah. thing with
0: drummers. You're stuck back there in the back, mm-hmm. and if you don't do something, right. then you're just going to get be part of the furniture. You know, I've seen exactly. drummers before, and yeah. especially country drummers. You know, when I was starting out in the yeah. 80s, they didn't even put lights on the drummer back yeah. there. A lot of the clubs yeah. we played, I, I was in the it. dark, and yeah. I had to... I had to fight for that. I had to go in and, like, when we were setting up, I was—I would have to go in and get a ladder and myself, myself, <laughs> right. point a light at me so people could see me. Absolutely. And that just yeah. used to infuriate me. Like, right. well, is the drummer not a part of the show? What's yeah. good? So I did everything I could to make a shot. I grew my hair out long, I had long blonde yep. hair. I had a fan blowing it, you know, cause I get really hot, you know, but <laughs> a lot of people thought I did it just for the yeah. look, but it did look cool to have a fan blowing this long blonde hair. And I would play That's really awesome. hard stand up on my stool. If I yep. was doing a solo or something, I've done that before. <laughs> and and <laughs> yeah. I just kind of got slowly more noticed and
1: right. You know. Yeah. I think it's important to, to stand out, but without standing out too much obviously there, there's a line and um without trying to look like you're trying exactly to stand out. Just, just yeah, do it exactly and um you know I think everybody has a personality when you, you sit behind a kit you want to you know you want to just like everyone has their own um kind of accent or their own style and look how they dress whatever that's how drummers are even yeah. if you're playing the same same genre of music every drummer's different and that's that's what's cool and you gotta, you gotta stand, you gotta stand out. You gotta put yourself out there and, and make sure that you're being seen. Because without you, without the drummer, I mean, and I think every musician on stage should have their spotlight and their moment. And because it's very important, in my opinion, to have have that backbone back there. And do you, you
0: think know? that your instrument has something to do with that too? Like the way you set your,
1: the type of drums you play, the way you, the height you oh, set, absolutely. you know, just yeah, your setup, yeah. basically. For sure, I um. I tend to sit higher and higher as I get older and older. I don't know why that is. I start. I used to sit so low, and the cymbals were six feet up in the air, and I would, you know. So, but now everything's kind of. I try to. My my idea is, if you were to shut your eyes, I want it to sound just as powerful as if you were to open your eyes and you're watching me. You know, I want I want a completely. If if you're blind, I want you to really know that you know this guy's playing with passion, and you know he's, you know he's got that. Mojo, yeah. flowing, whatever. I got gotcha. you. And um, that's just kind of been my thing. So my, my idea lately is to, you know, especially since I'm getting older, um, I'm still I'm still mobile. I can still move around and, and do, you know, fast things and go behind my back and stick curls and stuff like that. But my idea is to, it's kind of kind of nerdy, but to stay as connected to my body as I possibly can these days. Instead of, like, throwing my arms way out here and there and there, I've just always, you know, l- lately uh, I've been trying to just, just stay as connected as I can um, to my body, my arms, and and that's that that's kind of how I set set up now these days. It's kind of just yeah. more efficient, kind comfortable. Of to yeah, comfort is a big thing, you know. Yeah, and then if I want to go off, I can. Everything's close. Everything's yeah, you know. I'm I'm, I'm just super comfortable. Yeah. With, with the way I you set know. Up
0: now. I was listening to. Uh, um, Travis Barker talk and he was talking about the reason he puts his toms flat like that is because it's uncomfortable and he wants it to, he wants (laughs) that conditioning, he wants to, it's strange but it's a thing you know, like you make it a little more difficult, you have to go that extra step to to do that, For sure. makes you a better drummer I think, almost like the way a linebacker would tie a parachute to his back and practice running and then all of a sudden you let go. It's the ankle weights, yeah yeah.
1: it's It's challenging putting yourself somewhere in an uncomfort zone to where you're Back in your normal setting, it's super comfortable, yeah. ultra comfortable. Right, yeah. right, yeah. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um,
0: I've seen you play, and and you're a you're an animal back there. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And Brandon's always uh, complimenting <laughs> you, like man, he's so sick. Man. Yeah. But, uh. yeah. So all right, so you, out of high school, mm-hmm. you played in some rock bands and things like that. What yeah. was what would you say the first sort of um, time you made money at it? That someone gave you an offer to be in like a band. We're gonna yeah. pay you to play
1: drums. Right. Um, man, that was. That was late in the game for me, actually. I uh, started moving to Nashville. I started playing with a band called Elmwood. Um, We met on Craigslist, literally, and then— Yeah, you were telling me that earlier. Yeah, (laughs) next thing I knew, you know, we were touring with bands like OAR, uh, Blues Traveler, um, Grace Potter. um, Did some stuff with Dave Matthews' band. And this was, you know, in the first year of of being in a band, so— we, we practiced eight hours a day uh, in a little practice room. And we just, it, it was kind of a Dave Matthew-esque okay. um, band. And- and it was my first taste of, like, going out, you know, trying to sell tickets and, um, you now, know. Now, was this all original stuff? All original. Yeah, wow. all original. So yeah. you got to write your own drum yeah. part? Yeah, we yeah. were doing, it was everything. Wow. Um, yeah, the band was called Elmwood. There's, there's still YouTube footage, you know, if, if the listeners out there, you should go check it out. If you're okay, any so fan Elm, of. what is it again? Elmwood, Elmwood. It's yeah. called Elmwood? Elmwood Band, yep. Elmwood and, Band. Uh, yep. We, uh, we, uh this, got, what, what year would this have been? This would have been starting in 2008. We went to about 2011, 2012, and then split up. And uh, But, yeah, that was my first taste of actually going out and, and and making money. And, you know, what was cool about that, I wasn't a hired gun. You know, I didn't start out by being a hired gun. I was more uh, part of an uh, original act um, where we were playing our own original songs, you know, no covers. And... Hard ticket sales, which it was hard to sell tickets yeah. being a, 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 a band like that. But we play small clubs and um, and then you and know, that's when the economy kind of was, was yeah. crappy and yeah. people didn't have the you money know, to we, go out. We were fortunate yeah. enough to, to get on some uh, bigger shows early on to you know as as main support and and get paid that way, which was cool. And but yeah, I mean it was I wasn't getting rich or anything, but it was cool. Like you know a couple hundred bucks here, a few hundred mm-hmm. bucks there. I was like, wow, I can actually it kind of inspired me. I I realized the potential uh, that you can make money doing this if if people like you and want to pay to listen to you. So um, it was was an eye-opening thing and it was a learning experience for sure. But I mean, I was still a baby. I was so green. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the business, especially Nashville business, uh, the music business side of it. Shoot, I'm still green at that in my opinion. It's never ending, you know, learning process of that, but. Me too, I mean, I've been yeah. doing it for 40 years yeah. now and I still it's crazy. am
0: learning stuff about, especially with the new music business models and streaming right. and all that stuff. Right. So. Yeah. Now, when you first started with um, uh, th- this new, it was called what again? El-
1: Elmwood. Elmwood. Elmwood, when you started with Elmwood, mm-hmm. y'all were recording too, yeah right? Yeah, we did a, we did a record um, with uh, a guy named Alan Shacklock um, I might say this wrong. Is it SAE? Is that was that? Is it SAE? Is it is the recording place in Nashville? Or What's it called? SAE, I think. He he was one of the recording SAE. instructors here in Nashville. I, I think I might have got that wrong. I can't. I have to Google that. Um, but anyway, he was a uh, he he was a, a producer and an engineer, and and he offered to to do our record for us, and we did it up in, in the Governor's Club here in Nashville in his home, and that was uh, my first time, really ever experience in a recording studio as well so um it was it was really what was that brain. like for
0: you i mean having to play to a click or did y'all not oh use the click? yeah
1: we used the click um and fortunately for me before we started doing a record i started using click live uh, Good. so a lot of these songs we were wow a lot of a lot of these songs we were doing uh you know i was already comfortable playing them live so we literally just hit record and it was like we were playing a live show yeah but Kind of offer. like how Van Halen used to record, yeah, you know, they yeah. would rehearse and, and that, rehearse the thing and go in the studio and lay it down twice and yeah. they got it. it's like, yeah, it's, it was like, you know, walk, walk in the park, just playing that stuff. So, but it was still, there's still an intimidation factor. There's a a, a nerve mm-hmm. factor when you sit in the studio, especially for the first time. And that red light goes on. Yeah. You know, obviously I, ten, I, uh, I was rushing at the beginning, the, you know, stuff like that. There's just the, the common things and... You know, maybe I was hitting too hard here and there. That He was like, man, maybe a little softer on the hats, you know. You're yeah, like,
0: man, the scrutiny is just exactly. unbelievable. It's just, it's just yeah.
1: so particular when, yeah. you know, from studio to live. And, you know, um, and these were high-energy songs. So there was a happy medium. I had to find a place to, to not hit too hard, but mm-hmm. at the same time have that energy that these songs needed to, yeah. to, to get through. So it was a really cool learning experience for sure. Yeah,
0: totally. Yeah, yeah I know for me um, going in the studio, I was kind of late going to the studio. I didn't start... Even do anything till Lone Star, really. Mm-hmm. Like when I was in Canyon, uh, the band Canyon in the 80s, uh, Owen Hale played on all our albums and stuff okay. like that. And then I, went, then I got with Lone Star, started going in and having to read charts and having to say. And Dan Huff, our producer, would say things like, um, "Hey Keach, um, the kick pattern you're doing, like, like your kick pattern is, is one way in the, it should be one way in the verse, and then you change it in the chorus, but you're mixing it up, like the." He said, stick to one kick pattern right. for each part yeah. of the song, you know, and I had to learn that. Yeah, that's the kind definitely. of a thing.
1: Yeah. Something you don't really think about. Um, yeah. But, you know, being in a studio, I always compare it to a, a, a tattoo versus kind of like a sketch. Like a live, you can get away with a lot more That's a live. good way to put it. A tattoo and versus yeah, a sketch. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, the studio, you know, what What you end up printing to that record is with you, whether you like it or not, is forever. Yeah. It is absolutely forever. and. Uh, But that's also, you know, something really special about the studio, and it makes you, it fires you up, and it gets you, it it just completely puts me in a different mindset when I sit in the studio, because I'm like, this is actually going to mean something forever, you know, and and I love that feeling, I love that feeling of of that nervousness, and a lot of guys that are seasoned at it, obviously, sit down, and it's like walking to them, it's no big deal, but um, I still get that, you know, working with Lee and stuff in the studio, and it's definitely an intimidation factor for me still, but I, I like that feeling. You know, yeah. I love that feeling, you know, and you starting then
0: like in 08 or 09 pro tools was hugely out and all yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, I've talked to some, uh, drummers like Paul Lyman, um, uh, Paul DeLong, uh, back in the seventies and eighties was mm-hmm. two inch tape and you know, wow. you yeah. rarely ever used click. Sometimes you right. would. Yeah. Uh, and it was just like, well, you just, nail it to you, you just and with the drummer it's hard because yeah. I mean even though you could do pu- a punch in on drums yeah. it's very difficult and I don't they don't like to do it because of cymbals trailing off oh, and things yeah. like that so you get, you're the one musician in the whole group and the whole equation yeah. that has to get it right That's sort of expected to yeah. get it right from beginning to end and there's least. something
1: about for me you're almost to the end of the song and that's when it really starts. that nerve Nervousness mm-hmm. starts. Hitting like if you. I blow it now, yeah. Uh, like I got I this far, <laughs> and then you start thinking. So, yeah. you know, uh, live it's not as as mental um, as it is in the studio, and I've noticed that too. You you have to have a strong mental game um, in the studio, and I think the I think that's overlooked. I think you go in, a lot of people think like, oh, this guy, he's just good at it, but I think that a lot of the good studio mu- musicians, they have a, a a really deep mental state when they go in there, and it's and it's natural for them at, at a certain point. Um, guys like, you know, for instance, near Z, you know, when you see him in a studio and and the footage I've seen of him, it's just, it's, it's, it's coming so easy to him, but but you can tell he's super focused. If you really look at him and his eyes and and what he's doing. And I look up to guys like that, that, that really dig deep and find themselves. It's almost in a a, a different mental state of mind, you know, when you sit in the studio. So I I love that. And that's, that's something I'm continuing to to work at. It's it's very mental for me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people in the studio there's the the difficult thing
0: for well for a drummer for any studio musician, especially for a drummer, is there's there's three main things going on in your brain at the same time. Mm -hmm. The click track, you gotta follow that. That's gotta be you know, you gotta that's in the back of your mind somewhere. So you have to play precise. Mm -hmm. You have to be precise and, and all your little Things that you're doing. Number two, you got to know where you are in the song. You got to look at the chart and look exactly. ahead and say, "Oh, yeah. it's just that this is the verse. It's another couple of measures, and then we're going to just build." And you got to yep. know like structurally where you are. And then that third thing of like, "Oh yeah, I got to be creative. I got to do cool yeah, things. I got to exactly. play these cool licks." That, right. And I just it just baffles my mind how good studio drummers yeah. can play cool stuff that you're like, but wait a minute, but they have to know where they are on the song and they
1: have to play to the click right. and they got all that going on at the yeah. same time. I feel like reps have a lot to do with that. I think the more you get in there in every session that I do, I feel more comfortable. Every single one. And uh, you know, obviously guys that do it for a living, you know, they're just it's it comes a lot easier, I think. Yeah. But it's because of, of how many times they've done it, you know. And um, in my opinion, you can tell a lot of who a lot of drummers are by the first couple measures of a song that you, you know, you maybe not these days, but back in the day, you could hear a song that come on, you're like, oh, that's this guy, oh, that's that guy. Yeah. And, and all they're doing is they're just being themselves, but they have this confidence. You can tell that they have this confidence in the licks and the, the ideas that they come up with. It's it's their own language, and yeah. um, they're good at, at speaking that language. You know, it's a good studio players. It
0: almost seems to me like the mental... to guys like that Mm -hmm. versus guys that don't quite have it it's almost like the guys that have it they know they're in there Mm -hmm. and they got them in there because of what they know what they're supposed to do and they know they hired them to be themselves to be you know like Paul Lyme or Lonnie Wilson or something and the people that don't they're kind of still nervous kind of going is this what they want maybe they want that maybe it should be your doubt and I've been there and shows and
1: that's not a good feeling you know you go in there trying to be anybody else but yourself you're going to end up hurting yourself and it's going to take longer you probably won't get called back and that's another thing you know that I a lot of people ask me for advice and the secret is in my opinion is to not try to be um, you can be inspired by other people but don't try to pretend to be anybody else when you sit in in a situation like that because it's going to hurt you because you're you're thinking about being that other person rather than being in that moment and listening to the actual song and, and and digging deep into the lyrics and you know, I think the main focus should be about the song and, and not who you're trying to sound like or yeah, who you're right. trying to impress. And and that's a tough, that's obviously easier said than done. Um, you know, so I struggle with that all my life. You know, the guys would call me, they're like, hey, we called you because we heard that you can play like Near Z or, or you know, someone like, or maybe Paul Lyme. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, shoot, well, then I better play like that. You know, it's, it's just, so I'd rather get called to be like, hey, we called you because of, just be yourself, have fun and, 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 and do what you do. And yeah. I think that's... If you, if you can get to that point as a musician in general, then it's smooth sailing because then you yeah. get this confidence. All I have to do is show up and be myself yeah. and we're good. You know, we're that's good right. to go. Yeah. Yeah. You got that confidence. Exactly. You know? Yeah. It was always hard for me to read the, to learn the chart system, the Nashville oh, number yeah. system. And that was always real
0: intimidating for me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I... I tend to get in the moment a lot in the studio, and then you look away from that chart for one second. You don't and you, know where you are. Yeah. you don't. You get lost, and then here, really? and then you're you're trying to find yourself in the chart, which takes complete create you know all your cre- creativity yeah. away. You know you're trying to think of of what's next rather than. Of, of you know, of just living in that moment and that in that particular song that you're tracking, so it can get yeah, it's it's uh it's pretty nerve-wracking for sure. To the be biggest, in the, the hardest thing for me is because normally I would look look at the chart for the first couple of takes
0: and then. I'd have it in my mind. I would right. memorize it. But the hardest thing for me yeah. was changes on the fly. I hate yeah, the whole concept of that. Like, hey, let's lose that third chorus, and let's do the
1: bridge earlier. And you oh, start yeah. changing that
0: up, and then you're like, oh. Yes.
1: And then they start talking about key changes and, and yeah. core changes, and then you're really out of your yeah, element. Yeah, changes on the fly. But those <laughs> guys like
0: Paul Lyme and Lonnie Wilson, yeah. they, it's just like nothing for yeah. them. Like, okay, it, They take a pencil it, mark, yep. they
1: put a line through it, and they put an arrow, and yeah. they're done. yeah. <laughs> They they probably weren't like that in the first month of their careers, but because of the reps, you know, it becomes second nature to these guys because they know what to expect when they walk in there and it's confidence. It's it's really cool. You know, I love that. Totally. Um, So you're,
0: Playing with that that band for a while mm-hmm. and you've got to tell me the name again one more time Elmwood Elmwood, Elmwood. I cannot yeah. not remember that That's okay nobody um, remembers it. I'm It's old, over so. with <laughs> We broke up <laughs> Elmwood It sounds like a street name like uh, it Took actually, a ride on Elmwood and... <laughs> It was It oh, was is that on 12th right?
1: South That's where our, our band house was was on Elmwood, Elmwood Street Yeah And I'm a woodworker I should
0: be able to right. think of Elmwood I <laughs> right. love Elm uh, Anyway so awesome. Elmwood for a while and then what uh, How did the whole audition process go and how did you hear about the Lee Bryce thing so, Did they contact you
1: Yes Yeah So a little bit more of a history of, about myself. I, so the Guitar Center Drum Off, I don't know if you're familiar with yeah, what I remember that, that was. So I, I won that back in 2007. Oh. I won the National Drum Off competition. At the time, it was the world's largest drum competition. Um, so I technically won the 2007 Guitar Center Drum Off. Um, won a, a Toyota J Cruiser, 10000 cash, all these close to $100,000 worth of prizes. You know. Yeah. And, and I was 20 years old, and that's when I realized and it gave me the confidence, like, Okay, I'm, I'm. I can beat all these drummers. That means that I, I can have a career. You know, I can move to Nashville, show my picture in Modern Drummer magazine, and I'm good to go. You know, and that's just not how it works, especially in Nashville. They're like, you know, I, I just. I, it was a rude awakening. You know, they're like, hey, I want. I, can you play this? And I struggled. You know, some of the like simplest things, and 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 the problem was that I came from more of a jazz buddy rich. You know kind of doing my own thing background to all of a sudden moving to a town where you know they expect you to 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 stay in in, in your lane and yeah. it was a lot to learn and um you know but moving you know from from west virginia to nashville and having that um in, in my pocket winning the drum off it kind of opened some eyes and, and got some people were talking about it and, and lee was making some changes and doing a lot more busier style of of uh, you know records and and he was looking for someone that could step up and and, and pull this stuff off. You now know? explain what you mean, busier style, like well, more instrumentation. <laughs> instrumentation for sure. Um, it's just you know there was there was just a lot of songs that, that took a lot of skill to play. I mean it was okay. it was very it was more modern. It wasn't just the simple backbeat for, from his previous records. More it demanding was, for a drummer. Yeah, technically definitely. A technical yeah, standpoint. a little bit more. I would say more pop and, and rock esque. Um, you know, and just and he wanted something that was someone that could hop in and, and and just do these, you know, flawlessly, which I didn't do right away. But um, I think, you know, winning that drum off, turned some heads and, and, and Lee wanted someone that could, could bring a drum solo to the table. And, you know, it's different for me because a lot of guys start off by playing just the simple downtown backbeat, train beats. But for me, you know, I, I had to kind of do reverse engineering on the whole thing and really learn how to play with a, uh, an artist and, know the importance of playing with a, a click track and with other musicians and um but you know having that that drum off background and, and knowing that I I won you know at that time the world's largest drum competition it turned some heads and I think Lee was looking for someone young and that he could kind of mold and um and and help bring his music to a, a next level and it just you know it worked out it just worked out with with Lee it was kind of a it was an audition process I auditioned with Maybe seven, eight other drummers here in Nashville. Some guys that I actually knew, knew of, and heard of. So it was, it was intimidating for me, and um, it was definitely life changing. Because you know, speaking of, of the money part of it, mm-hmm. um, I never, I never made. You know, I was never on a salary. I was never on a, um, you know, a gig that, that was consistent. And I was always living kind of paycheck to paycheck. But this came through, and you know, I was married, planning on having kids. And I was like, this could be life-changing. And and, um, I nailed the audition, and I got a call uh, later than I expected. He took forever to call me, but he called me and fooled me over the phone. He said, hey, I got some bad news. It's like, oh man, I didn't get it. He Who called like, you? Was it Lee? It himself? was Lee himself <laughs> called me. He said, "I got some bad news." It's like, what, man? I didn't get it. He was like, "No, you're gonna have to clear your schedule for about the next eight to ten years, because you're." And, and it turns out this is my ninth year, so it sounds wow. like I only have about a year left with him, according oh, to to his. Then numbers. you can start. You can you <laughs> right. can start filling your schedule yeah. again with. So, other stuff. but it was you know <laughs> it was an audition process, and um, you know I I, I went into the, to that audition knowing that lee called me because i was unique and i was different so i wasn't going to go in there i literally was like hey let's you know i walked in just super confident and i, and I just started jamming with the band before they That's cool. just i was, was like, going to ask
0: you the what, yeah. was it songs that they'd given you ahead of time to yeah learn? they gave me
1: they gave me um kind of a couple hits of his a ballad and then now at this point how long had he been out shoot let's see out on the industry
0: Like uh, like records and probably
1: five, six years prior to that. Um, He had a, he he was just getting off of maybe his third number one, the second number one, something like that. Wow. Okay. Um, So, I mean, he was pretty, I mean, he was, it was really cool. I mean, when I started with him, we were all on one bus and one trailer. It was 12 guys, and Lee was on that bus. And so it was cool to kind of start. where I did because I still got to see the growth you know from yeah. where you know we, we went from playing small little clubs and now we're you know this year coming up he's he's on a hot streak right now we got some we're adding a, another we've got two tractor trailers three buses and awesome. it's really cool to, to see it kind of grow and to be a part of that um and and now that I've been in for so long I feel like I have you know some say and and you know he trusts my opinion and um, we're all kind of the band leaders and music directors in the whole thing. You know, it's Lee Bryce in in The Love Cannons. That's the name of our band. Was the Love What? The Love Cannons. That, that was Canons. not my deal. Okay. That was the name before <laughs> I started and uh, So yeah, it's just a great it's a great little um, you know, great band that I get to play with and I'm inspired by every musician That's up there. That's great that you guys are like a family out yeah, there. I very much. I love so. that. That's yeah. the way we are. Yeah.
0: That's the only way we it could work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Brotherhood for sure.
0: So you're out there doing that. And um, gosh, any
1: plans for a new record or anything coming up? Yes, so what's really cool is Lee just, he's in the process pretty much about to cut the ribbon on his new studio um, at, at, uh, out near his farm in Franklin. He has a, it's like state of the art, amazing. I mean, he's got some big plans for this, this studio. Wow. It's the real deal. It, it, you the know. big drum room and the, the oh, yeah, it's, room, it's, open room. It's, yeah, it's uh, called Pump House. I think it's called yeah pump house, I believe um, studio, and it's uh it's really cool. He he, uh, he he's so he's such a studio guy. He loves being in the studio, writing, creating. Um, before this studio, we would we would finish a show and go to his bus. He has a full studio set up on his. Is bus. that right? Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So on his artist bus, we would go up there. I would set up uh, the Roland V drums. Um, we would connect. We would run it MIDI into a program called like superior drummer or whatever and run that and literally do two three demos after every show he would have writers come out with them they'd write during the day we'd finish the show track the songs you know two three demos after a show so it was really cool we did that for for quite some time but now he's gonna have a real deal studio and where we can rehearse we can dig in and, and get these songs how he wants it and um it's, it's going to be pretty special, I think. Uh, That's co- really cool. I can't wait to hear ahead. what comes out of there. Man. Yeah, it's going to be cool. Awesome. Absolutely. And uh, you, do you have a kit set up in there, your own kit in there? He has a kit set up. Um, he has a, I think it's a Mapex, a Mapex kit, actually. Um, that they hooked him up with, and you know, I, I'm a Ludwig guy, so I'm gonna supply some of the snare drums for him. Of course. Um, the cymbals, I got him some some nice some nice cymbals as well. And
0: are you Zildjian or I'm Sabian. Yeah, you're Sabian. Sabian.
1: Yeah. On the other side, I'm Zildjian. Okay, Zildjian's I'm great. Endorsed by yeah. Zildjian. Yeah. Yeah, you can't. They've go been wrong. so good to me. Absolutely. Zildjian. Yeah.
0: They sent me a plaque recently, uh, 20 years
1: with wow. Zildjian, and I'm like, you're
0: giving me a plaque for 20 years right. of getting free cymbals.
1: <laughs> I should give you a plaque. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that they realize how important, um, you know, the, the, the feelings kind of mutual. We're they're important to us, and we're important to them, you know. So uh, it's cool to see uh, when 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 companies do stuff like that. You yeah, know, it's a uh, it, it's always awesome because we we they treat us good, but our goal it makes us want to treat them well as well, and yeah. and get their name out there and, and and all that. So
0: yeah, it's cool. That's cool. Yeah. So you got the studio set up and uh, yeah. Um. Any plans? Uh, I think you said earlier that you guys are going to do a few more shows and take
1: some time off. Yeah, we got some time off this this the rest of twenty twenty one. It's twenty twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. good. I always forget what year it is. Um, twenty two coming up, <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, so that's going to give me some time. I'm actually doing a couple other cool things. I'm, I'm doing a record. Um, and at muscle shoals right. um, sound? yeah I'm with a, with with an artist i think it's still under cover right now so i'm not i can't spill the beans on all can't that say who it is. yeah and then um, but then we're i'm also doing some other stuff with uh, Justin Moore's keyboard player I'm doing some live stuff with him he always i did a christmas album with him and then i'm also going to uh, dubai uh with really? uh, yeah i'm going with one of my favorite he's a christian artist his name's Don Moen um, he, he's he's big time um, doing the coca-cola arena in in Dubai which will be awesome a That'd pretty be great, it's gonna man. probably be pretty life-changing experience for me because I grew up watching him on VHS my mom went to a concert of his and that's all I ever watched wow. was him and um, uh, yeah it, it was pretty it's pretty cool for him to to send me the call and say hey would you like to do this and I was like heck yeah I'm there you know yeah. so I get to have an off time it, it lets me. Uh, open up and, and get to experience other you know other situations to put myself <laughs> again in some uncomfort yeah. zones but um, it'll be pretty cool to to be able to play with a different artist during this time off and so you have kids and everything yep i have how a do you, three how, do you five. Like, how do you balance your work with kids and all that stuff? <laughs> a lot of FaceTime. Yeah. um that helps but you know I, I i got married pretty young and we've she knew what she was signing up for and We've kind of evolved and adapted and evolved and adapted and that's just kind of how life is um she she supports me 100 percent and i think the kids understand as well um you know that oh i see daddy on tv and i come home and i make sure that they know i'm not doing this for me anymore this is for them being away um it's hard it's not easy um and that's one thing that drummers and people should know with, with families that sometimes it's very difficult to be away especially if you're out West for a month or, you know, it's tough. Um, Yeah, it's not for everybody. But knowing that I'm not doing it for me anymore really helps. And and knowing that that I'm, I'm supporting my family, doing what I still love and they support me. It just makes it, you know, makes a lot easier pill to swallow being, yeah. being on the I think
0: road. what always keeps me going is I think of in any situation, I always think of somebody that maybe has it worse than me oh, and it yeah. makes it not seem so bad. In other words, Absolutely. like I always think of like the, the, the soldiers, you know, are the, a, our soldiers that are over there in Iraq the or something like Absolutely. that for years at a time. You know, we met some soldiers over there that they'd been deployed for over for 14 months right. and they, ha- and they've had a kid like a child born. Uh, exactly. within that time. They so miss they the missed that. And, yep. and I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, here we can, get, we can get a sub if we have to, yeah. or whatever. We can and always be in harm's way to. over there. So yeah, they, they, they may might not, not come back, come back you know, unbelievable. or they may yeah. come back in. Just, so it's really, perspective
1: tough. is everything, you know, obviously it's everything. I mean, then, then you look at, you know, that that's, that's the extreme, but then, you know, bands out of New York, um, LA those those guys tour 3 4 months at a time yeah. and then they are you know with with the Nashville tour and it seems like it's you can be home during the week gone on the yeah. weekends back home during the week so you can kind of have a schedule and, and get things you get th- things it does allow for more playing in the studio cuz a lot of sessions
0: seem like they fall on a Monday or early in the yeah. week like that yeah, yeah. which is that's totally true. open for a lot of yeah. musicians
1: who might be with the band or something exactly. and then Monday morning yeah. can go in the studio right yeah that's the goal that would be really cool I I end up watching my kids during the week. So I've turned down a lot of sessions because of that, but I'm okay with it because I get to still tour and and still do that. And, uh, and you know, my kids and families everything anyway. So I'm happy. I'm very happy where I'm at touring. That's awesome.
0: So where do you see the, the, I'm gonna get philosophical on you here. Where do you see the future of music going? I mean, I know the COVID thing, it looks like we're, I don't know if we're over it yet or Mm -hmm. if it's getting worse or, you know, going to be a thing of the past soon. But where do you see, you know, touring? Yeah, you think I, I think it's gonna...
1: that I think that I've, i I think we've all realized that touring recently, post COVID, um, I shouldn't say post COVID because it's still around. It's still going. It's still around. But you can see how how important live music is to people. Mm-hmm. You can just see it. You can sense it. Some of the shows this year, uh, after after the the pandemic has hit, has been some of the best shows we've ever played. Yeah, because people are just so ready yeah, to get out absolutely. there, and listen to live um, music again. And I think uh, I think that you don't kind of you kind of don't realize what what you have until it's gone, type of deal. And I think there was a lot of depressed musicians, but also a lot of depressed music listeners that mm-hmm. um, that went through some troubling times because of this. And I know I know for a fact that you know. The, um, that, that people have passion for, for live music, not just the players, but the, the audience. and it's their chance to, to go out on a Saturday uh, and you know they, they obviously spend their their hard earned money uh, on it and they want to have a good time and, and live life well and, and, and sing along to some of their favorite songs or whatever. And so you know looking ahead, I, I don't see live music slowing down at all. Um, I think in fact, it's going to get stronger and stronger. And you know, in fact, it's really cool to see different genres being successful. I mean, you yeah. can, different jam bands, and, and I mean, electronic is is huge now. And and there's just people just wanting to go out and experience live music. And I don't see that slowing down. I really don't. Yeah. I always I don't wonder know. if maybe sort of outdoor
0: venues are going to be popping up more and more because of the pandemic thing. Because it seems absolutely. like in a little tiny club where you're breathing yeah. everybody's everybody's yeah. air yeah and we but sense that outside. too
1: you know and hopefully this thing gets under control someday but i definitely see people taking advantage of out, uh, outdoor space because of this because there's a sense of th- that fear and that kind of that you know the the nastiness of a club yeah, you know claustrophobic side, yeah yeah you know and it's it's the clubs are great you know obviously but if you can be outside on a, on a, a nice summer day and I think that, that could, I could definitely see that being popular, you know? Yeah. So what kind of um, advice would you give a
0: young drummer that's, uh, starting out thinking about a career in either studio or live or both or
1: whatever? What would you say? Yeah. Get inspired. Yeah. I think inspiration's everything. Um, for me, if I find myself in a slump, even being a professional drummer now, I'll go on YouTube or, or, um, on, on some type of drum site and just, just watch other drummers and, and, and get inspired. Um, so. I think the key is to 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 find inspiration find find your favorite drummer find your favorite drummers like multiple um, but at the same time don't turn into them you know take something from each and everybody there's something to learn from everybody and um you know your own somehow yeah yeah yeah, you know there there's all the all the famous drummers all the well-known drummers they're already taken so if you want to be you know if you want to be your own person you gotta you gotta do things yourself and 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 be confident in yourself because that's why you're where you're at yeah Now i always so. tell young drummers i'm i'm like do one weird thing <laughs> to your kit like
0: put a a timbali next to your snare that's on the, your left side or, or put yep. a kick drum up whatever you know mount yep. it, just something different you know that's just that we make people go oh oh okay yeah. that's interesting you it's know?
1: A, yeah it's a, the drum set is 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 the ingredient to a recipe that you can make of your own you know you yeah. it's like the it's like watching the food network you know you get this and you got to create something with it and yeah. that's what that's what uh, drummers are you know you yeah. get you get these ingredients you get you want two up two down you know rack yeah. two racks and two floors or you want how are you going to mix it up yeah, yeah. You know, you and, and i do find that you know you want to you want to get out of your your comfort zone and, and and get inspired by physical things as well like you said maybe put a cowbell up or yeah. Or um, um, electric you know, rolling pad, or and play the different music. Find find things that inspire you. And I think if if you're inspired, that means you're not bored, and and you'll want to keep continuing to grow you yeah. know, as a musician. So yeah. that's my biggest thing. I think being inspired. back up
0: your your setup with some severe intensity, right. and, and you yeah. know, with skill with what you do. You know, exactly. people will see it, they'll hear it, yeah. and they say they may kind of go, "Well, that's a weird setup." And then you start <laughs> playing it, they're like, "Whoa!" Yeah, you know, exactly. That's what I like. Exactly. Yep. Well,
1: man, that's so great that you came by to talk to me. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah, really thanks fun. for... I wish you guys all the best out yeah, there. Yeah, same. You know, Congrats. I actually, um, a quick story about seeing you for the first time was that after I won that drum off, it was 2008. Oh, wow. And uh, you played at the NAMM show, I think it was 2008, with Lone Star. That uh, would have been with Cody, our new, uh, our new singer yeah, that we just had Yeah, forgotten. that's what my yeah. wife said. And Taylor Swift, it was at the Taylor booth. And Taylor Swift was right after you guys. And that was yeah. one of my first, you know, I got to see a country band for the first time. Wow. I think you were one of the first I ever saw well, in the country cool. world. So I wanted to throw that out there. I, I wanted to mention that earlier, but I forgot I to. I do remember that. I do yeah, remember, that was that the Taylor
0: Guitar yeah. Room. They exactly. had a room. Taylor yeah. Guitars had a room.
1: Yeah, their own little setup and a stage. And all and that. I was always always a fan of Lone Star. But seeing you guys, you guys toured up. You guys, had, you were tight. And I was like, man, I, talk about inspiration. I was inspired. You're like, I want to be
0: like that guy. No, I'm I
1: totally kidding. did. I was. Yeah, <laughs> I was very jealous. I was like, well, now I got to go to Nashville and find a gig like this guy. So, no, that's cool. So it's it's cool. You know, uh, I, I I've always enjoyed Lone Star and what you've done with them, and it's been uh, it's been really cool to. And now here we are sitting at a table. You're asking me questions. So yeah. it's just it's just funny how you, yeah. you know full circle. You know how that works. But it's pr- it's proof that you know you got to get inspired. You got to yeah. you got to see things and and try to get to you know reach reach for your dreams. You know you got to do that. Would
0: you say it's important for I teach my students this, and I learned it out of a book just recently. I mean I've always known it, but I learned it out of a book. Uh, it's it's about the uh, how to survive in the new music business or whatever. Uh-huh. And the the author had said. Uh, in this audiobook, it said one of the things you have to understand is not to have a backup plan. Don't have a fallback mm-hmm. because if you do, you're just going to fall back on it. Right. Because there's going to be hard times, and you're going to end up being an insurance salesman, or not that there's anything wrong with that. No. I'm just saying that if you if you want to make it in the music business, you can't have a backup plan. I right. mean, I, I mean, outside of music, like if mm-hmm. like say if you're looking to get a gig, you, you could teach, you could Absolutely. play, yeah. uh, you could supply music, you could record drums for other people's. Uh, demos or something like that or whatever absolutely. as long as you're making yeah. music and you're teaching or doing something in the music right.
1: industry you're still making it but when you have a backup plan outside of music that's not a good thing yeah absolutely yeah i think i think having focus on on one particular thing is super important and uh i never had a plan b absolutely not um you know so but at the same time you know that pandemic hit mm-hmm. you know and i had to be, get creative real but you know, wow. you know, you just never know. But, um, you know, I think if you really have a passion for something, I feel like you can do anything. I really Absolutely, do. Absolutely. Yeah. I really do think It's that. just a single minded, you know, I
0: like to call it uh, persistence, borderlining on insanity. You're right. That's what I, that's, <laughs> that was well me said. in the early eighties yeah. trying to, I'm going to, I don't care if I starve to death, I'm yeah. going to be a drummer. That's yep. just all I know. You know, yep. it always came the easiest to me, but of course, always finding a job or getting a gig or whatever. Keeping a gig, keeping a band together has always been a really hard thing. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I
1: can't imagine. How long have you guys – how long has that been you, – you've been playing with Lone Star? Now? Since 94. Okay. That's like uh, – Yeah, 20. Almost 30
0: – well, cl- coming up on 30 years. Yeah, that's and, the year my a little brother years, was born. 28 Yeah. <laughs> 28 years, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's crazy. Yeah, yep, it was spring of 94 when I moved to, to Nashville. And I've been doing it since 82. Yeah. I mean, I, it was like uh, – Right. Uh, you know, it had already been about 12 years that I'd been playing with other bands and stuff around right. the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then I got the call to come up to Nashville. So, I didn't want to go to Nashville right. at first. I, so I was you've, like, seen, nah.
1: you've seen everything evolve. You've seen yeah. touring, I've seen the recording, industry. everything. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. I've seen
0: the whole going from two-inch tape to digital yeah. to... Uh, that's cool. In eighties when really you have cool. a lot of drum machines. Like yeah. I always like to make a joke about the eighties that like there was there wasn't a it's not true, but I always try to say there wasn't a single real drum recorded in the eighties. It was all dr- <laughs> right. you know, Lynn drum yeah, and you drum can machines. Tell. You can there was, it. but I'm yeah, just it's right. a joke. But um but yeah, man, and then it went back in the nineties and went back to kind of live drums mm-hmm. and kind of like pingy snares, you know. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. Uh,
1: it's so funny how that everything evolves like that. It's it's cool. Yeah,
0: now we're now we're back to kind of 80s sounding
1: stuff. Yeah. It seems like you know yeah.
0: fatter, drier snares and that absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah, yep. I'll be wearing
1: it. my Reebok high tops with acid wash jeans here soon. I'm sure. And oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's just uh, everything kind of headbands again. Just keeps circling. Yeah, circle <laughs> life. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. Well, man, Donnie, thank you so <laughs> yeah, much. Absolutely, and, uh, my pleasure. And, uh, we will Thanks catch for you out me. on the
1: road yeah and uh what's the when do you think the next album will will be (sighs) um that's hard to say i know that he's already started writing for it but he you know he's he's coming off of his ninth number one and he's got another one um that's probably going to go pretty quick it's called soul that he's releasing um that's a song it's a song called soul yeah it's it's very upbeat it's my favorite song to play live and so i think his main focus right now is what he just released um about a year ago, and he's got some some monsters. So you're album.
0: already doing some songs that are going to be on the next album out on the live right now. Actually, no, or, this was from or, his previous record. Oh, from the yeah, previous from record. His, okay. pre-
1: but he, you know, he's always thinking ahead, and uh, and I, his main focus, I think, has been getting that, his studio done, and then we're going to start digging in for that next record. So cool. Which I plan the to brand play new on studio. You yeah. hear that, Lee? I plan to play on that one. Call yeah. me. Yeah. Oh. So, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> play like play. Yeah. Like play. Yeah, exactly. Like me playing. Absolutely cool I mean well thank you so much and we'll catch you out on the road sounds good Donnie Donnie Marple that's right with Keith Rainwater here on Designated Drummer and we'll catch you next time see ya